The harm reduction approach to substance use entails a set of strategies for reducing the negative consequences associated with drug use. U.S. presidential administrations have historically opposed the use of harm reduction interventions for illicit substance use, but the Biden administration recently took a step towards supporting it. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Kimberly Sue, an instructor at the Yale School of Medicine and Medical Director of the National Harm Reduction Coalition. Dr. Sue has co-authored a perspective article about bringing harm reduction into federal health policy. Dr. Sue, could you start by telling us a bit about the goals behind harm reduction and what types of interventions fit under this definition? Of course. The goals of harm reduction are broad and really include using practical strategies and solutions to reduce the negative effects of substance use. When we think about harm reduction in the clinic, we don't require that people stop using or achieve abstinence if that's not their goal. Harm reduction is quite realistic. It's trying to literally meet people where they're at and to figure out how to help them meet their goals, to live healthier lifestyles. And we hope also that in writing this piece, that we can implement strategies and solutions where people are living in their towns and states and across the country that embrace harm reduction scaled up. So those would be different kinds of policies that encourage ways that people can use more safely, such as syringe service programs where people can access sterile needles if they are injecting drugs. So how and when did the concept of harm reduction emerge in the United States? So a lot of people dated back to the early 80s. Really, we had coalitions of people in their communities during the emergent HIV crisis at the time actually around the world and also in the United States, where people were literally saving people's lives. We had nurses walking into alleys. We had people handing out syringes. We had people handing out condoms in bathhouses where people were possibly transmitting HIV. And those strategies really were the nascent beginnings of the harm reduction movement. You say in your perspective article that harm reduction as a broad concept is a frequently used tool in medicine and public health. So in what ways is harm reduction already part of medical practice? If you talk to any general internist, we're always trying to implement strategies of harm reduction or risk reduction, where we don't necessarily ask people to stop the behaviors that may be causing them harm to their health, but we try to figure out strategies that can be safer. This is often utilized when we try to get people to remember to take their medications more frequently or to reduce the number of cigarettes they might be smoking a day, but not asking them to stop. So if people are smoking a pack a day, we come up with strategies, medications, therapy, and other ways to get people to smoke half a pack a day. And we consider that an important victory and win for improving someone's health behaviors. When it comes to opioids and other drugs, how much evidence is there to support harm reduction strategies? Depending on the harm reduction strategy, there have been variable levels of research. We have very, very strong research regarding syringe service programs and naloxone distribution to communities, including people who use drugs and their family and friends. So those have been decades of evidence showing benefits in multiple ways, including syringe service programs that prevent HIV outbreaks, that respond to HIV outbreaks, hepatitis C outbreaks that prevent infections for skin and soft tissue, and a variety of other outcomes. Given all of that, why has the federal government historically not endorsed these types of approaches to addressing substance use disorders? This is a great question. 
the United States has, in my belief, a very puritanical view towards substance use. And really dating decades back, even to Nixon starting the quote unquote war on drugs. And even long before that, we've had laws that have made treating substance use like a disease or like a chronic condition very difficult. Abstinence has really been promoted by federal administrations, most explicitly by the Reagan administration, carried forward into the next administrations as well. Just say no policies. These have been funded and implemented really without significant amounts of decrease in overdose deaths. The Biden administration mentioned harm reduction in a statement it released on drug policy priorities for its first year. How do harm reduction approaches factor into the administration's plans? Well, I was very excited to hear this release. Some of the things that they've highlighted in their discussions at the ONDCP and in other places include fully funding syringe service programs with federal dollars, providing funds for fentanyl test strips so people can engage in drug checking to see if the supply of drugs has fentanyl present in what they are using, and expanding access to naloxone distribution. Finally, what additional steps could the federal government take to evaluate harm reduction strategies or to remove barriers to implementing them? From my perspective, one of the things that we really need to talk about is both safe supply as well as overdose prevention centers. So when I say safe supply, I really mean that what people are facing and dealing with on the street is a poisoned or toxic street market. We had CDC numbers that just came out that showed only increasing numbers of overdose deaths, nearing 90,000. When you look at those numbers, you see that most of those are really synthetic opioids or fentanyl. There are also other substances on the rise as well, including methamphetamines and cocaine-related deaths. So thinking about the fact that people are being forced to reckon with substances on the street, for example, I just saw a patient recently who they think they're buying oxycodone, but it's actually all fentanyl. That's very common around this country and very, very dangerous. And really, so when we're talking about safe supply, one of the things that I'm thinking about is access to medications that treat opioid use disorder or other substance use disorders that are not tainted with other substances. So expanding access to that. We would need trials of that in this country, and there have been trials of that around the world, including Canada. We also are very interested in overdose prevention sites or centers, which are places where people can use substances they've obtained from the street in a safe and sterile environment with trained overdose responders, either peers or medical staff. And that has been really contentious. There are places in Canada and around the world, there are over 100 sites around the world that are operating. And currently, we have a federal law from 1986 that prevents us from starting those programs. For example, in many cities around the country, there are advocacy efforts to get these sites where people can use and receive the necessary emergency care. We have a problem of people dying alone in their homes, dying in bathrooms, in public bathrooms or restrooms. And we really need to innovate and figure out ways that we can offer places that people can access care and services including harm reduction and treatment. Thank you, Dr. Sue.